been in this series Reframe for the last couple of weeks, and hopefully you've been here and been a part of that, or you can always go back and listen, but this whole series is about reframing our faith. We've been deconstructing and focusing on deconstructing for a really long time, and now we want to focus on reconstructing and reframing. And something that we've always loved to do here at Grace Point is to dialogue with one another. Um, that's why we have these classes in the back. That's why we do Midrash. Um, and that's why often we come into a Sunday morning and say, let's do some questions and response. We never do questions and answer. We typically want to do questions and response. And I remember a couple of years ago, I was invited to come speak at um, the Q Conference. up in, They were hosting it here in Nashville. And I haven't been invited back for some reason. It's OK. But they talked about pastoring a new moment. A lot's happened here in the last couple of years, if you didn't know. But they were talking about then pastoring a new moment, and I told them that we do the same questions and response with our congregation, and people were shocked that we gave the congregation the mic. All these pastors were like, no, 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 that gets way out of hand. We don't actually want to hear from the congregation. Yeah. We're like, yes, you do. Yes, we need to. And so... Pushing into that, we've done this a handful of times where we do dialogue, but more specifically this morning, we don't want it to be questions and response to the leadership. We really want it to be dialoguing between us, and we just want to be up here facilitating. And so we want to hear from you this morning, at least some of you, on how you are reframing your faith or how you already have reframed your faith or what questions or tensions that you're wrestling with. Um, what can we help you with? We have beautiful conversations, again, that happen mid-rush um, once a month on Wednesday nights where you spend most of the time doing this, just talking. We have a Sunday morning book study with Richard Rohr. We want to hear from you. What are you learning from that book study? The Tuesday night um, more intensive study is happening as well. And so we just wanted to bring that into a Sunday morning context. Yep. And it's a little bit different. We're obviously going to do music today. We're going to do regular service next week and have a full music service coming up on the 15th. But today, we honestly, we just want to hear from you. That's the agenda. And theologically, as a framework, we actually believe, and this is more of a Protestant idea, um, although it does have roots in the Catholic tradition, we believe that the living Word of God rests in us. I mean, even if you look to Scripture, which we take very seriously around here within the tradition of the Christian church, um, Scripture itself, 1 Corinthians, or rather John, John said, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. So we talk about the Word of God. Where does the Word of God come from? How do you hear the Word of God? John said the Word was made flesh. Well, that flesh was Jesus, obviously, in the language of John. But Paul in 1 Corinthians 11 and 12 said, And you are the body of Christ. Many of the old mystics call the church the body of Christ or the flesh of God. You are the body of Christ. And that's why in that same context, 1 Corinthians 14, Paul said, So then we let all prophesy. And prophecy is a scary word for a lot of people. You think of Nostradamus and... Uh, Hebrew prophets and Dion Warwick and things like that. But, <laughs> but prophesy simply, just put it in context, it means to be a vessel through which God speaks. And more and more that's not scary to me at all. And, uh, you know, God cannot communicate God's self through a, a medium that is anything other than imperfect. And humanity is imperfect. The body of Christ is imperfect. Um, creation is imperfect in a lot of ways, but God still speaks and gets through. So we're the body of Christ. So Paul said, let all prophesy. Then he said, let the others judge because it doesn't come through perfectly. So we hear one another and we listen to one another. And I, so I, I think there is a solid foundation for this kind of thing. And, and Mel and I talk all of the time as the Christian church is maturing and growing, which it absolutely is. It's young. The first 2,000 years of the Christian church in the grand scope of a 13 billion year old universe, this is a young church. And I think one of the things we're learning is even our pedagogy or our style of teaching. I, I grew up Pentecostal. I'm 48 years old. I have preached over 8,000 messages and am becoming less and less convinced the longer I live of the effectiveness of sermonizing. And yet it, it troubles me because that's where I've put all of my eggs in this vocational basket. And yet I'm finding there's no way around it that settings like Sunday morning, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, where the body of Christ is speaking and all are prophesying and the others are judging. Uh, even I, I still go to school. I don't like classrooms where somebody lectures to me. I love it when the brilliant professors facilitate a conversation and I'm just always amazed at what comes out of the people sitting around me. So we're even learning about pedagogy. And I think moments like this, our heart is, 
we tried to figure out in the crowd our size how you could do this consistently, but it's what we think about. So. The only other thing I want to add is if you're watching online, um, I'm manning our Twitter page right now. So go to tweet us at, at GracePointTN, GracePointTN, and I'd love to read your comments or your questions. So jump in. Somebody, somebody talk about reframing and reconstructing specifically how it impacts you psychically, psychologically, or maybe a specific thing that you're framing and somebody be the brave one and jump in. You'll stand up. Stephen. Stephen, right So my name is Stephen, um, and I've been attending since November, and that transition occurred when I personally came to myself and realized through a conversation with elders, my previous church wasn't going to be a good, healthy place for my future, personally and romantically and um, with relationships. So my reframing started on what I thought about me, hmm. and then continued, uh, and I think the three biggest things have been... Um, coming here initially and having conversations and listening to people struggling instead of being pointed to very, you know, objective prepositional truth, this is what applies now forever, and this, you know, inerrant conversation that has always been my upbringing. And so I've discovered since then um, and been challenged that I can't change my reframing without addressing some of my agreements. And I say agreements to be like things that I run in the tape that always is going in my head. Um, things like, you know, the heart is deceitfully wicked and full of evil. And these little like Bible verses that I've been challenged with, you know, uh, growing up and going to uh, Christian university. Uh, but the biggest one has been, um, kind of what you started one day, um, you talked about the prodigal son, and you talked about Adam and Eve and said, you know, did he, did Adam and Eve need the sacrifice of the animals to cover them um, for, for their shame? And the answer was, they needed it for them, God didn't need it for him. And, and then um, the prodigal son, you know, he comes to himself, and the father runs from afar off, and and he's rehearsed in his mind, and I've rehearsed in my mind what I've been told um, and what I've thought and, and what others have shared, this is how it is. And, and then, you know, the father says, you know, put a ring, put a robe, and the son still doesn't believe him. And he says, no, 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 we're going to have a party. We're going to kill them. We're going to kill, you know, the fatted calf. And, and I needed that fatted calf. The father didn't. He wanted me to know I was loved. And so that conversation of sin has been reframed and is, is God far from you in your life reframed. Um, worth has been reframed. Um, but the one that hit me the most is that conversation for me starting to stand. And then um, the spirit moves for me when you were talking about being a diamond and saying, I'm only human. And each week the... the um, each week, the agreements have been challenged of who do I say yeah. I am? Who do I agree? Do I agree what God has, has said and who God has said I am? And so um, it's really challenged me because I cannot address, I can't let God's spirit move if I'm not willing to move out of the way. And that has been the hardest thing is to say like, okay, Lord, I surrender all these things I've been taught um, and I'm willing to listen and that's very challenging because I love to be productive and, and proficient and well-read and educated. So um, that has been the biggest reframing for me, which I feel like is rebirthed a new spiritual journey. Um, you know, growing up in church and going down that path and then saying, I'm going to stop. And, and so me getting out of the way has been uh, a really big challenge. And, but to rest and saying, I know God's going to show up. So, about my, my worth and who I am and letting God show up and getting out of the way has been one of the transformative things that I've been reframing. Wonderful. 
We, we had this great practice at the retreat, Ian Crone um, introduced to us, that when we are in fact giving testimony that this is a word of the Lord. And so I would love it as each of us finished, if you could say the word of the Lord, thanks be to God. So can we say that? The word of the Lord, thanks be to God. Whew, just had a Pentecostal moment right there. I like that. I missed the retreat. Mm. If you go more than 30 seconds between a question, I will preach. <laughs> Protect yourself. Be ready. Um, my name's oh, dear Lord. Um, my name's Kyle. Uh, before I talk about what I'm wearing, uh, I just really want to say how much this place has meant to me. Um, so, flashback to last January, um, my wife and I were eating at a high five, and uh, two Januarys ago, was it? <laughs> I've never had high five. It's really good. <laughs> but it's also a great segue to telling your wife that you're an atheist. Um, and that was a really hard time for me because I always kind of prided myself on searching. Like I had a time where I was into mysticism and I was reading, you know, the Desert Fathers and uh, John of the Cross and all these guys. And then uh, I got accepted to the seminary and I was going to Fuller. And sorry, I'm nervous right now. Um, and I always pride myself like I'm going to search, I'm going to search, I'm going to search and I did some really weird things along that search and then you find some philosophers who tell you why you haven't found what you're searching for and you become dismayed and you find yourself at a high five uh, telling your wife that you no longer believe in God um, if you haven't had that experience uh, try the jalapenos and the spicy marinara <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely delicious. Um, but in a real sense, and she knew, she already knew um, 
that's where I was. It was a few days later that we saw uh, an article posted about a church down in Franklin that had become um, affirming uh, for gay and lesbians and transgender and all that. Um, and so, out of curiosity, I was more like curious, like, oh, this is going to be a show. Like, <laughs> down in Franklin, <laughs> this is going to be entertaining. <laughs> and so I came down out of curiosity to see what that looks like. And, and I was amazed by how, I'm, a, I'm still battling with my cynicism. I really am. I'm, I'm working on being an optimist instead of a pessimist. I'm not quite there yet. Uh, but I saw such a loving community gather around a pastor that was having a hard time, a, a, a group of pastors that were having a hard time. I was like, well, that's beautiful. I'm interested. So I came back the next week. And I realized I had defined my entire life in finding, and I had never been okay with being found. And that's what happened. And it's the same story, uh, the parable of, you know, the... the prodigal son, it was the same thing. I remember walking out of these doors and it was raining and in my head I started rehearsing, like I wanted to talk to God so bad and I just, luckily it was raining that morning because I started crying because I realized I'm okay with being found now. Um, I'm okay with not knowing and I'm okay with being known and that switch has redefined the past however long we've been going here. So thank you all for being my community. My name's Rod. Um, we've been coming since uh, September, I think. And uh, I just wanted to share quickly, we, you know, I think we all take different paths down the journey of deconstruction, reconstruction. And I think some go deeper down in the depths than others. And uh, if you're one of those that kind of like just transitioned I, uh, from, you know, from one form of religion to, to changing uh, without too much complication, I, <coughs> I envy you. Because I, uh, through a series of kind of like staying raised in a very Pentecostal environment, um, spending a lot of my career life working in and around Christian churches and ministries, um, found myself through a series of events and just kind of um, questioning, meeting people, hearing different um, perspectives and journeys, and then experiencing some significant loss. I think sometimes those events kind of propel things, propel your thinking. Um, <clears throat> found myself in a very similar situation, and I think uh, Michelle, my wife, and I kind of went down that journey together where we got to the point where, um, yeah, really questioning, is any, what's, is any of this real? Any of the stuff that I was raised to believe, is there a God? I don't know if I was complete atheist, I don't know if I didn't categorize myself that way, but I was definitely agnostic and to the point of really kind of shutting out God, shutting out church, just didn't want anything to do with it because it all seemed kind of um, part of that that uh, thing that, that didn't do anything for me and, and it just felt like a, a lot of lies and a lot of um, I guess a facade and so um, we the reason I'm telling this is because uh, this was a big week for me I was telling Michelle um, the other day this was the first and this is kind of um, I guess vulnerable feels a little vulnerable to say this, but this is the first week when I, because I, I started reframing, okay, I believe, I started believing, okay, there's something else, there's this energy, there's a, is that God or is that just, you know, the universe? What is, what is all this, right? And then this was the first week where I really made a decision and made a, I had this sense of um, that's really God and I kind of felt like I could really put myself back in God's hands. And trust that he's there and he's in me and I'm in him and uh, this church is the reason that I was able to reconstruct to that point and I feel like it's just uh, uh, I just want to encourage anyone who no matter how deep maybe you're on the way down still in that deconstruction uh, just hang in there
and uh, I don't know, somehow, somehow God brings you back around. The word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be to God. So someone tweeted in, Rick Sundstrom, he says, I'm an ex-pastor currently reframing. You've been a big help in me finding what I am for and not what I'm against. Mm -hmm. Word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. Hey, um, I've only been here for about, like, I don't know how long, but it was a pretty short time, I guess you could say. So, and I've already learned a lot that it is okay to question and to deconstruct yourself and that it's absolutely normal to doubt and have doubt. And I kind of went all the way down at one point, like, like what he said, I don't know his name, but. <laughs> um, and then I had someone a long time ago, like way back in summer, help me back up. His name's Noah, and I would really love to thank him, but he's not here. And, and to come back up is one of the best feelings ever. <laughs> it's the feeling that you have everything under your control and that, and that your life, it, and that you just know where you're going to go and what's going to happen. And you know that there's gonna be good coming and that you have hope. And I went to, to a previous church and they didn't really promote deconstructing. They were all like, you, got, you could never have doubt, all that stuff. And I thought, and I just felt, and whenever I did, I felt really wrong. And I felt like I, and I was ashamed of myself. I thought I was a horrible person. But when you do deconstruct, you're not a horrible person. You don't ever change. You just, you just change your thoughts and what, and how, and you, and you, uh, I don't know how you word it. And you kind of just, okay, I really don't know how to word this. You change your mind on how the world works, like, like you don't really believe in God, you just, you don't know what you believe, whatever it is, and I have nothing else to say. <laughs> Besides, thank you for listening. What's your name? My name's Hannah. Hannah. The word of the Lord. The word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be to God. God. We're a lot more similar than we think, I think, as listening to other people. I mean, we're, we're on this journey, as, as we say, we're in it together. I'm Ben, by the way, as my partner, Brandon. I think last week really hit me heavy um, when Pastor Melissa was talking about wretch, how we've heard that word so much as Christians. I grew up in church. My parents started going to church when they met, and then my sister were brought up um, in church, and we left whenever I was eight. The church was toxic, so it all fell apart, and I started to seek as I got older. Gosh, speaking in public is pretty hard for me. <laughs> Anyways, hearing that we're wretches, we live in a fallen world, um, Eve just did us all in. We grow up like that as, as Christians, and I feel like even as atheists and agnostics, we are all damaged by Christianity and what it has done. And I think that now, especially in this place, we are seeing the God in each and every one of us. And I think as our interactions go, um, we're meeting new people, like we talk in coffee conversation that happens on random Tuesday mornings. They're the best thing because they're like this, only a lot, a lot more tiny, um, which I guess is kind of a safety net for me. But it's nice to get to know new people. And as every single person walks through that door, we get a chance to be involved in another life and the deconstruction and the reconstruction. Because the reality is we are broken in a sense, but I think that we are kind of destroying everything that came before finding this congregation and this family of people. Because I don't think that we realized how damaged we were until we walked through these doors and found each and every single person sitting in here that is in the exact same place of deconstruction and we're all building something that is uh, authentic, that is a true person, a true, a, a true individual that who, uh, God has created us to be able, the God inside as well is finally able to come through in all those walls 
come crashing down. So I think this deconstruction and reconstruction is a really beautiful thing. So. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Hi. Carol, uh, pastor's wife for many years. And uh, I had a failure, uh, a sense of failure for many years also, because I had never led anyone to the Lord. Do you know what I mean? Okay. I'd never taken anybody through the four steps of salvation. And I would, I'm not going to put that down because, you know, any way to get you into the kingdom is fine with me. But I just didn't believe it. And it just made so much more sense to me when I heard the message of love. You were created in God's image. And that just resonated with me so much more that I I just say, for me, not the four steps anymore, but God, God loves us. God loves me. God loves you. Lovely. The word, the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I am Lee Anglin, and I'm not much of a talker now, even though I priest for a long time. <laughs> but I disagree with my pastor. Uh, is the word that comes through him, not from him, is wonderful. I feel just, I feel great for being here. And I want you to know those of you whom I know and have come to love, you are the body of Christ. And so you don't have always to speak. Uh, you are the body of Christ and people see the one whom I love in you. And I'm so thankful for being here. I was I was uh, 20 years out of the church, so I didn't have to relearn. It, with me, it started that God loved me. Uh, and um, that's never ceased. But one of the marvelous things about here is it's gotten so much larger. It's gotten so much better, deeper. I want to thank the leaders and the, all the leaders and the body of Christ who lives here. You're great. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Hey guys, my name is Lizzie Hirani. Um, I've been here a little over a year, coming up on a year and a half, I guess. And when I first walked through those doors, I was completely shattered. Um, I just moved to Nashville to be with the love of my life who ended up, things didn't work out with um, because her family was not okay with anyone being gay. Um, and my heart was just crushed. And when I lost her, I've had lots of losses before. That was probably the hardest loss I think I ever had because in losing her, I also realized that I had lost the other most important person to me, myself. Um, and I had been gone for some time. Uh, I think when Stan was doing the dedication earlier, talking about you know those two commandments being very similar and intertwined in each other. Um, I always thought that, you know, loving God was so important. I can echo everyone who was from a Pentecostal charismatic background. Um, when I was in school, all I wanted to do was ministry. Um, I thought that I was going to 
grow up and be a pastor of sorts, and that was all that I wanted to do. I didn't want to do anything else. I just wanted my life to be lived for God, and that was the way that I thought it should have been. So all of my confidence I had kind of built on this spiritual thing that I had built. So as you can imagine, whenever I um, kind of came to terms with my orientation, that took quite a hit because before that I had always believed that God loved me. And after that, I wasn't quite so sure, especially with all the people who had said that they loved me, many of them walking away from me at that point. Um, but I realized kind of through everything that I had, had lost myself, I hadn't just lost my, uh, my certainty and my faith, but reframing for me, when Stan has talked about it being a riptide that you just kind of have to ride out, I've always wanted an answer now. I'm one of those people, I try to find the answer to everything. Um, I'm a problem fixer and I can't just leave things alone. Um, so that has been really difficult for me to just write it out. But when I came through those doors over a year ago, I wrote a prayer out in the little prayer sheets that you put in the, the offering. and. Uh, my prayer was, I just want to know how to love myself well, because I realized that I didn't love myself. The next Sunday, thanks to someone that I know, <clears throat> Justin Pitt, that got read anonymously out loud, and he was like, you might be holding the hand, he had everybody hold hands and pray together. He was like, you might be holding the hand of the person that wrote this, and I'm sitting there like trying to not start sobbing in my seat. I'm like, I don't want this person to know it was me. <laughs> and, um, you know, over a year later, I've finally, got, I've finally gotten to this place where I've realized that, that loving God and loving yourself are so intertwined. And um, even before when I thought that I knew that God loved me, um, I didn't hate myself. There was not really self-loathing anywhere. So if you think that God loves you and you don't hate yourself, you probably don't even realize if you don't love yourself. And... It took a lot of things to show me that. Um, but I think reframing for me has been partially about, you know, back to the prodigal and, and echoing that as well, coming to myself. Um, and now, even though I'm still very uncertain about so many things, I think that has helped me have this trust in God that I never really had before. I kind of got to that place of agnosticism too, though I didn't really admit, admit it to anyone. Because um, I wanted to believe everything still, I just didn't know if I could. Um, but this place and you guys um, have really helped me be able to heal from a lot of that. And I've still got a long way to go, don't we all? Mm. But um, I'm just really thankful for that because I didn't know what loving myself really looked like. And a lot of that has been exposed through being here. And again, it's just been so wonderful and, and so healing. The word of the Lord. deconstruction, reconstruction, reframing, but one of the things that has impacted me most is the community aspect, and it's a lot easier to reframe um, and see the God in yourself when other people are recognizing the God in you and seeing that God in you and mirroring that back to you, and that's just something that this community does so beautifully and has been a huge thing for me because I tend to learn lessons the hard way and have had a lot of low moments, but through those low moments have been just loved, and um, my worth hasn't been, other people haven't tried to take my worth away from me or tell me that I'm not worth it, whatever it is, love, worth love. Um, in those moments, it, it showed me that I am still worth love, and um, that hasn't changed through any decision I make or um, 
yeah, just really anything. And that has been something that has helped me reframe and grow and truly believe in my own worth, um, like Lizzie was talking about, is just this community and these people in this room. Um, and online and everywhere, just all the ways we are able to connect with each other is just beautiful and has been probably the biggest thing for me. So. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I got the light, so I might as well step in. As I look back on reframing, I started here three, three years ago in August. And um, I started here when some of these questions started and the whole ball got rolling and all. And I remember one time sitting with Pastor Stan and saying, I like what I'm hearing, but I'm afraid it's heresy. How do I get beyond this? And how can you change this? And, and as time progressed, I realized it wasn't that I felt it was heresy. I was afraid of what my family, my friends back in Vermont would say. So I had to hide this. And um, <clears throat> slowly, as just was mentioned, communicate. I got involved with people that accepted me, that it, it, it was like meeting with my trainer every week at the gym. It helped me to get stronger and, and better. And to even rethink my thoughts. And I was thinking this morning how um, I have a choice to shave or finish reading a book on Mr. Rogers that will change the inside of me. And I'm not shaving. <laughs> and, but I'm with people that encourage me that um, allow me to blossom and gives me the courage and the strength to face whatever is out there. Because I know I'm never alone, no matter how dangerous there is. I can point at many people here, they'll stand right next to me. That's what reframing is all about. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Hi, um, my name is Hannah. And, um, really never thought I'd be standing up in front of a church body ever again. But um, I grew up as a pastor's kid and a missionary kid, both in, so got all the extra, you know, fun shame stuff going on. Um, and really um, reached a moment last year where uh, my little sister went through divorce and shortly after realized that she was in love with a woman. And for um, a family who has lived out our lives in the public eye um, for so long, you know, missionaries at a megachurch. Um, my parents just couldn't, they couldn't deal. They kicked her out of the house. Um, and ever since then, you know, it was kind of this, this pivotal moment where I could decide to side with her and lose my family, or I could, um, or I could do the wrong thing, which I knew was the wrong thing, it was not to stay with my sister and that decision, um, and so, and then shortly after, uh, started going through divorce myself. So um, it's been a time, and uh, <laughs> I, I think for me, what I've realized is that um, I've spent my entire life putting my identity in something other than myself. You know, as a servant of God, as a servant of the church, as a servant of my family, the missionaries, as a servant of you know my husband and. Um, never has it just been, never have I had a moment to just celebrate being me, fearfully and wonderfully, as myself. Um, and I'm, I'm really missing, you know, I live 2,000 miles away from my sister, and um, I don't have that family unit anymore. Um, and so coming here and feeling like maybe there's a hope of regaining some of that um, family that, that I don't have anymore, um, it just... I feel like I don't have to be perfect here, and I've never felt that in my 25 years of living. Um, and it means the world to me uh, that, that a place like this exists. So that has been my reframing, is that I don't need to be perfect, and that um, it's okay to be broken. I literally, every morning when I get up Sunday, um, I start tearing up just thinking about being here. So I'm just a mess all the time, and sometimes I can't be bothered to show up. I'm sorry, guys. Really, I'm trying. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
but yeah, that has been uh, my experience, and um, it's very difficult for me to be vulnerable within church because I'm used to being the one in front and not the one uh, part of the body. So thank you for allowing me to be here and to be part of you. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You get two for the price of one over here. <laughs> um, my name is Tara, and this is my wife, Elka. Um, Stan married us recently at lunch on a Thursday, and we both went back to work. <laughs> reconstruction or reframing has to do with grace and um, grew up in a church um, became a Christian because I was scared to death of burning in hell um, at the age of 12 and um, being a part of the church I was I was so scared, I scared my little sister enough to come with me and so um, I want to say that following you is perfect because I um, am learning what it means to reframe grace and not only for myself, because in many ways, having grace for myself um, has been easier than having grace for other people who lack grace for me. Um, I have a family that is not supportive at all. And um, part of my family has been wonderful, but a major part of my family um, is not supportive at all. And it causes a lot of grief and pain, not only for me, but for the children that are a part of my family. And um, what I want to say is that I'm reframing how to continue to love people who are often very difficult to love and who are not accepting and do not show me grace. Um, for me, the choice to love people who treat me unkindly is one of the hardest things I've ever had to do. It's easier to shut the door and walk away. Um, I don't put myself in a situation to be abused or beat up on, but at the same time, I'm always there, I'm always available, and I will not stop showing those little graces that make us who we are. Um, having the ability to reframe grace for my family also means the ability to reframe grace for my children who, um, although born perfect in the beloved of God, and they still are, you know, I have a preteen girl, and well, yeah. Um, she's a lovely person. Um, um, I have the ability to provide grace for coworkers, who don't treat me the way that they should, who don't treat me the way that I think God wants me to treat them. So I reframe that and figure out how do I communicate with this person in the way that God wants me to. Um, reframing grace, small graces, offers me the ability to be able to reframe grace in my marriage. You know, little graces for the things that um, slowly but surely tear relationships apart, but if handled with love and with understanding and little graces, the little ones, I think are the ones that I'm learning more and more about on a daily basis. Um, and it would not be possible outside of the community. And I know that the reason you were able to make the choice you made is because of God, and your sister will always and eternally be grateful for that. And it will make all of the negativity so much easier to handle, knowing that she had a sister stand by her. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. All right, so as she said, my name is Elka. that I can say my wife. Um, I am not the public speaker of this group here, and um, this actually is 
part of my reframing, and I was wrestling since we started this this morning with whether or not I could do this. And it took actually Tara saying, hey, I want to do this to go, man, I know I need to do this now. Um, I've been hiding, and that right there scares the snot out of me. Um, and I have been hiding um, because I have been wrestling for quite some time now with um, my own deconstruction and my reframing. Um, and this place has really been helping that. Um, so real quickly, for 27 years, um, I was an atheist. I did um, not have God to lead me along the journey, so I thought, right? Um, and um, after that, that point, at the age of 27, I was on a high after I had found that relationship that I had with God, and for 13 years ran on that high, um, and was in full-time ministry, and was in leadership, and did praise and worship, and toured, and was in prisons, and I was like the bomb of the church, right? Um, and um, so much so that there are billboards with my face and my testimony on them throughout the United States. Um, and during that, I was married to a man and um, started sharing with him something that I realized I was wrestling with. And it was that I started realizing I was actually in love with a woman. Um, and he told me that I was broken beyond repair and he had nothing for me. And um, we got divorced and um, I lost pretty much all of the community that I had. Um, and I stopped serving God because I did not feel like I could anymore because I was in love with a woman who broke it beyond repair. Um, and after moving to be with that woman um, and starting this family, I knew I still had that passion inside of me um, to fully serve God the way that I still had been, and I didn't know how. Um, and as Tara's talking about the little graces in marriage, she's had a lot of little graces for me, because um, I have been struggling. I am not the person that she met, because I haven't been able to fully love others even, because I haven't been able to fully love myself. So, I mean, everything I'm saying, it's already been said. It's like all your little stories right here. Um, and it has taken listening to the sermons here. And beyond that, watching the testimony of people that I have met here and seeing it lived out to realize, okay, you can do the same stuff that Kim is doing. You can do the stuff that Alicia and Aaron are doing and stuff that Drew and Janet and Jason and Justin and the carols, I said the carols, because I, there are two carols here that I absolutely adore. Um, and Lee, thank you, Lee. Um, but even our leadership. But watching this testimony is part of my reframing and my rebuilding, because I'm realizing more and more that these people are doing what I want to do, and that fire that's inside of me is being lived out by these people. And I can do the same thing, because I'm not broken. And I am doing what I'm supposed to be doing. And um, I am still very much so, probably even more now, the image of God than I was before. And that face on the billboard that you might see driving down I-24 or 75 or wherever in California, I don't know where it all is, um, but it's a more beautiful face now. And I have learned to start accepting that more and more. Um, so thankful for the community and the testimony and the leadership in this place. And thank you for that community out there because I can look right now today at that and say I'm not afraid as much anymore <laughs> um, to have my face out there um, and say I am still serving God and God does love you very, very much. Okay, it is on. 
Um, Melissa made the comment this morning um, when she said that I would be doing Pride, she said, um, Mama Bear. I think some of you probably know what that means to me and to about a thousand others, and some probably don't. So when we talk about reframing, there are about a thousand um, moms in Facebook groups. The, they are private Facebook groups of Christian moms of LGBT kids. And you want to have your life reframed. Um, I've been accused of being born and raised on Little House on the Prairie, a very, very conservative Christian home. Um, and then your world changes. Um, Hannah, part of our objective in this group is for another family not to do what your family has done um, to your sister. Um, there's a lot of learning that has to go into that family. It's not an easy task for anyone. Um, just yesterday on the Facebook group, there was a question that said, how many of you still attend church of any kind? Vast majority said, no way, won't step foot in, haven't in years. And many think you are watching a live stream because it's the closest they can find. One of the moms emailed me and she said, if I was within a two hour drive from Grace Point, I would be there every Sunday. And she said, I'm not within two hours. So. It's slow, and it's much slower than most of us moms are good at, at dealing with, but our objective is to, to try to work with those moms of Hannah's sister, that kind of thing, and help them to understand where their kids are. Um, so that's what we do, and there are thousands of us out there, and reframing is an understatement. <laughs> Amen. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Do you, do you mind? Oh. I will start <laughs> no, you go first. You, you got it. All right, thanks. We don't do ladies first here. <laughs> okay. <It's just> egalitarian. Hi, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm Mark, and uh, wow, amazing courage today, right? Wow. So much beauty demonstrated. Um, I'm so grateful for this place. Thank you. Um, for being such an active Facebook community too. All that, you know, it's amazing the encouragement of a like on something you put yeah. on Facebook. It's so crazy, but it's so powerful, so thank you. Um, and also thank the last two weeks sermons have been so on point, so what I've been longing for. So thank you for putting all your heart and your time into um, leading us, I appreciate it. I wish this place was perfect. I know it's not, but uh, we're in it together. And that's, that's one of the biggest things I've struggled with being a Christian my whole life and just not feeling like it was working uh, and feeling like it was my fault, something wrong with me. I, w I just wasn't getting it. I wasn't doing enough. I wasn't reading the Bible enough, you know, that thing, or I didn't memorize the right scriptures or whatever it was. It just wasn't working for me. And a lot of it, what I'm discovering now through this reframing process is that that model of Christianity was so based on a us versus them mentality. You know, like, we're gonna do all that we can to get on the, on the good side. And then we're gonna, you know, look at all the other people, the them, and um, judge them into the kingdom. What? Uh, with condescension and um, shame and disappointment, shake our heads and, and think that they're, that they're feeling loved from us, and it just hasn't worked. So I feel like there's some sort of redemption coming out uh, through, through my time here at Grace Point and kind of going, that's why I wasn't working. I wasn't crazy, I haven't been crazy. And I'm grateful to see that this, this idea that we're all in this together is so powerful and so uh, life-changing that there's nothing that you have to do except realize that we're all in this together. I love that so much. I don't, I don't have any, I don't have many answers. Um, and, and I'll just leave with this. I really struggle with expectations. I really struggle with that. I step into a community like this and I, and I go, okay, what expectations can I have of you guys? What, uh, what can I expect to get from you all? And, um, and I struggle with that. I struggle with disappointments. I struggle. Uh, and I don't want to just surrender expectations because then I just, that just feels too lazy to me. But more importantly than that, I struggle with my expectations towards God. In the midst of all this reframing, I just, I'll leave with this question, what can I expect from God? Sure, he's with me, he loves me. But what, what else? What else can I expect from God? I, I would really like uh, 
to, to know. Is it just me? Mm. Thank you for those that just shook their heads. I appreciate it. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Hi, my name is Ashley. I am a certainty and comfort addict. Nice to meet you. Uh, also known as Nine on the Endocrine. Uh, but I have been part of this place for about a year. Um, my husband's not here. He's teaching the youth, which is really cool because this is his first Sunday. But um, I've been a former children's pastor, and my husband was a Bible teacher in the Deep South in Jackson, Tennessee. And um, I grew up in the North, and then I moved down to the South about four years ago and felt like I was on a whole new place. Felt like I was on a weird planet that I never really understood or experienced. And every day when my husband would go to school, it felt like a war zone. I felt like I had to defend my husband because everyone looked at him as the as a heretic. Look at him making kids question who they are, making saying that maybe God doesn't hate you. Maybe God loves you more than he he didn't want you to live in that bondage and that shame. And um, he would get a phone call probably once a week. He'd get pulled into the principal's office and he felt alone and I felt alone. And we were isolated and it was really sad and dangerous and scary. And I closed in and he closed in. And um, I remember when he first met with Sam, he came back and said, we're not alone. We have people, there's people who, who are with us. Um, and we're still really angry and we're still really hurt and we still have a lot of reframing to do. I'm still probably, I'm a, like I said, I'm a comfort addict, so I'm like, I'm fine, this is good. I'm like, everything's great. Like, let, just make, like, let's focus on other people. Let's not focus on me. Um, and so for a long time, I think I focused on Frank and I hid behind him because my husband's really good at deconstructing people and de deconstructing me over and over again. Um, and it's been fun because Stan, you said, I think probably a couple months ago, um, our job is not to keep building the castle. It's not to keep trying to pull this castle together. It's to build a nice stone cottage that we can live and find a place, find a home. And um, I think my little brother's here this morning too, which is really cool. Um, the last three weeks I've just felt home. Like I felt like God has said you're home. And it's here, but it's like also within myself, like that's, um, which is more important. I, we're just like, this is just a place to come and it's a beautiful example of what Christ looks like. But um, if we just cling to other people and we don't learn that truth ourselves, it's not ever gonna become true. So um, my reframing is just finding home and finding peace. And the fact that Frank gets to teach the youth here and not be questioned or say, what are you teaching, Frank? What are your intentions? And the fact that I can help write the children's curriculum and not have to do a Bible story with Anna, that's really fun for me. She said, Ashley, you can teach whatever story you want because God's truth is, you know, all around us. Um, so, thank you. So, um, I, I guess the ushers can get ready to receive our offering, and as they do... I gave this analogy probably more than a year ago, which means 90% of you didn't hear it, so I'll give it again. Um, maybe it was two years ago. But when I first began the process of deconstruction, it was 20 years ago, I felt like as a young, as a young preacher in a world, like Ashley was saying, that was dependent upon certainty and accuracy. It was not just psychologically and personally devastating, familially with my family devastating, but vocationally it was devastating um, because I, I was, all of my eggs were in this vocational basket. I didn't know another way to make a living. It had been everything I'd ever wanted to do and now I was a failure, a, an abject failure, not on the surface but underneath because I would, I would preach so desperately and I suppose I was always given the gift of gab, so I had the horsepower and the engine to be a, a good speaker, preacher, pastor in the evangelical world. And that engine ran on a high-octane fuel. It was a jet fuel, and that jet fuel was my own angst, my own suffering. I, if I convinced others, it was because I was so desperately trying to convince myself, and I couldn't get myself convinced. 
And I never was a dissident. I'm three on the Enneagram. My dark side is to try to please everyone and to have people like me. So I knew I was not a dissident by nature. I was not a rebel without a cause who just liked to fight. I wanted everybody to get along always. So I knew that wasn't me thumbing my nose. I just couldn't believe. I tried. I, as I began that, what they call the slippery slope, and I said something about it the other day, I, I finally got to the end of the slippery slope and landed right in the lap of God, which was wonderful. So the slippery slope that I was scared of, why did we assume there was something bad at the bottom of the slippery slope? There was grace there. But I remember the, the analogy came to me that uh, I, I just remember looking at my life, my faith, my belief system as like a, a house in a neighborhood that a tornado had ravaged. I grew up over in northeast Arkansas, Tornado Alley, so two or three times in the course of my life I've seen those neighborhoods that were just matchsticks. So I had that visual in my life. And, and I remember in neighborhoods, you know, neighborhoods that are new, track home neighborhoods, you know, we, we move in there and, and often they're so transient, but that wasn't the type of neighborhood I was seeing. The neighborhood I was seeing was a, a neighborhood like my grandmother's, a neighborhood that I grew up in where we lived here, my grandparents lived here, and my great-grandparents lived here, and our family lived there for 70 years. And the oak tree with the swing and my, my grandfather's chicken house that was turned into a house that they actually ended up living in, just every square inch of that place was not house, it was home. It was ours. It, our blood was in the soil. And I remember seeing this picture of, of all of that gone, wet sheetrock, shards of glass, asphalt roof, twisted two-by-fours, rusty nails, everything a heap. And there I sat in the middle of that. And I remember when I first saw that vision, it came to me really divine. When I saw that vision, I knew, I remember thinking to myself, just go live in the hotel or the apartment until you build a new home somewhere. But it wasn't like that. We were that old family that just couldn't move on and put up another house to live in. This was our home place. And I remember watching myself in the vision, maddening, just insufferably sifting through all of the rubble, trying to put Humpty Dumpty back together again, trying to put the shards of glass and wet sheetrock back together again. And there was no putting that home where three generations of people had been born. There was just no putting it at all back together. Forgive me, but that home was that old-time religion that was good enough for Grandma and good enough for Mama, and so it was good enough for me. And now it was gone, and I couldn't put it back together. And I remember in the vision, finally waving my hand and a dump truck pulled up and I gave in, I relented, and I said, just take it all away. Take it to the dump, clean it up, and maybe it will never be rebuilt. And I'll move on, and I'll do something else. And a voice spoke to me, like from the heavens or somewhere inside, I don't know, but the voice spoke to me and said, wait, look again. And I began pillaging, sorting through. And this time I wasn't looking for the wood and the glass and the concrete, the stuff of house. A voice said, look for the stuff of home. And I began looking through and finding the wet teddy bears, the marriage license, the graduation program, grandma's old necklace that had been passed down and wasn't worth anything but was worth everything the stuff of home and in that stuff of home stuff of my faith I did begin to build again a humble cottage I didn't build the 4200 square foot home we didn't build it the way it was but home was still here and what I encourage everyone in this process to do is don't not to be cliche, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. We're still here because there's something very beautiful and real and special about all of this. 
We're all a part of something so much larger and more vast. We live in a solar system that's hundreds of million miles across, and our sun is so vast and large, and yet it's just one medium-sized star of 500 billion in our galaxy. And our galaxy is one of about a half a trillion galaxies. And 13.7 billion years ago, every bit of that was compressed into the space the size of an electron, and we still can't answer where that electron came from and what it was sitting in and why it exploded. And out of that 4.2 billion years ago, our little planet came into being and a couple of billion years passed and organic life began to grow and about 500 billion years ago, vertebrates began to form and about 8 million years ago, progenitors of our species began to form and about 20,000 years ago, we became Homo sapiens sapiens. And about 5,000 years ago, we began to reflect philosophically looking at the stars and wondering where we came from. And we begin to position our dead in a certain way because there is something holy. And only for about 5,000 years have we really been wrestling with this stuff. And 2,000 years ago, a man named Jesus came into that wrestling match and has impacted this story so deeply. But we are not at the end of that process. We're barely in the beginning of that process. And for me, God and Jesus and all of this, it, it, that's the stuff of wet teddy bears and christening gowns. That's the stuff that you shake off and clean off and know it's not worth anything to anybody, but you can build a home out of that stuff. So hang in there. It's a scary process, but maybe it really shouldn't be. We're a part of something much larger, much more vast. And if Jesus said anything, that we need to grow into for the next two million years. Um, it is, you don't have to be afraid. Just relax. You never had anything to be afraid of. This is a good and holy process. So let's continue to do it together. Amen.